Well, good evening. Shalom. I, I have the uh, important task of, of speaking. This is the last message tonight. So whatever they said before, just remember what I said tonight. Yeah, no, no. I heard I was not here for the conference because I had to speak somewhere else, but I heard it was an incredible conference, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, now I am probably not going to have uh, time to cover all the slides I have on, uh, in my message, but what I like to do, I build my presentations in a way that they are kind of self-sustaining and you can actually take them home and read them. So uh, I'm passing clipboards right now, and if you put your name and email on those clipboards, and some of them have a little box that says notes, please. Some of them are older forms that I haven't re replaced yet, and I don't want to throw it with paper, so it just doesn't say anything, but just write notes, please. So if you want a PDF format of the entire presentation of tonight, please check the box because this way you can listen better without stressing out about missing a point or two. And I want you to have the entire presentation. On those clipboards, there's also, uh, my, last time I came, I already passed them. So if you signed up last time for my daily devotional, my daily devotional, and you don't sign up again because you'll get it twice. Okay, and, uh, and then, of course, the articles that I write two or three times a, a month on the topic of end times anti-Semitism, uh, uh, radical Islam, Bible prophecy, Israel, the church, and all that all intertwines. Um, I just wrote one about a week ago on a conference called Christ at the Checkpoint, which is not a good conference. Uh, so if you want to get that article, sign up, and then you'll, you'll get connected. So... Sign up on those clipboards, and, um, but make sure you ask for the notes. This way you'll be able to relax. And come visit the table. Uh, we have uh, books uh, and artwork and different things at the table. Uh, after this, uh, tonight's uh, message, uh, make sure you come and say hi. Now, like I told uh, Pastor Tom, we're celebrating, aren't we? So I want you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you some questions, and if you agree, if, if it's a yes, I want to hear amen. Do you believe in God's grace? Amen. God's mercy? Amen. God's love? Amen. God's faithfulness? Amen. Well, we just talked about Israel. That's it. That's, you know, we, the Jews, should not exist. Corey and I and whoever else is Jewish in this room tonight, we should not, Rachel, we should not be here. It's only by God's grace that we exist. And it's the same with Israel. I mean, I look at my own family. My mother, in 1942, she was 15. She lived in Paris in a house that we still own uh, in, uh, in, in, on the edge of Paris where her father... 1942, she was 15. Her father was taken by the Gestapo. She survived the Holocaust. By God's grace, she was sent to the south of France to hide on a farm uh, with a family of Catholic peasants that actually became righteous Gentiles, uh, uh, you know, the Yad Vashem, righteous Gentiles, which there's not that many in the world. Uh, a few years ago, they were uh, inducted in the uh, uh, Righteous Gentiles Hall of Fame at Yad Vashem. And so my mother, by God's grace, was... She survived, escaped and survived the Holocaust. Then she came back to Paris, married my dad, and here I am. So, you know, it's all in God's plan for some reason. God's grace, God's mercy, God's faithfulness. And I want you to keep, uh, keep those, uh, those words in the back of your mind because as we look tonight, I, I want to look at Israel's past, present, and future. If you really want the cliff notes for this, you can find them in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. In your Bible. That's Israel's past, present, and future. That's the, 
the quick version, the cliff notes. But I want to go a little more in depth. I want to, I want to cover a few, a few more things uh, tonight. So the title is Against All Odds, because really is, you know, from a human perspective, it's against all odds. When you look at Jewish history, Israel at 70. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be able to celebrate. And I want to start with, you know, I'm, I'm a very spiritual person, so I want to start with something very spiritual, deeply rooted in, in biblical word, a quote by Charles Crothammer. Um, that was a joke. Okay, that's not from the Bible. But this is a good quote because he's a commentator on Fox. I'm sure you know who he is. But this is a good quote because it, it really summarizes what Israel is all about and, and God's provision and God's faithfulness. This is what he said. It's about 20 years ago. Israel is the very embodiment of Jewish continuity. It is the only nation on earth that inhabits the same land, bears the same name, speaks the same language, and worships the same God that it did 2,000 years ago. You dig the soul and you find pottery from Davidic times, coins from Bar Kokhba, and 2,000-year-old scrolls written in a script remarkably like the one that today advertises ice cream at the corner candy store. If you go to Israel, you know, it's, it, it, it is it's exactly that. You know, it's like you have a, a revival of the Hebrew language. We'll talk about that briefly. Uh, but this is, this is Israel. It's a very unique country. And... Uh, First, I want, to, I want to set the stage a little bit, so I want to talk about Israel past, the biblical foundation, ancient Israel, a biblical foundation. You cannot look at ancient Israel and the biblical foundation without mentioning the Abrahamic covenant. I am confident that your church and your pastor has covered the Abrahamic covenant more than once, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it, except that you see on the screen I highlighted the word I will because what's important to understand is two things. The, the covenant that um, God made with Abraham, two things, unconditional and eternal. Unconditional God said to Abraham, I will. We see in the text, I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. It is not like if you obey my command, I will. He does that in other covenants like the Mosaic covenant. But here he says, I will because of who he is. God says, I choose to, decide to, I will. Unconditional. And eternal, we see this letter in the text where a deep sleep fell upon Abraham when the animals were split on the ground to ratify the covenant. And then, verse 17 of that, chapter 12, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed three between the pieces. Only the Shekinah glory of God passed through the pieces of the animals to ratify the covenant with Abraham, which means that only God could break the covenant because Abraham was part of it, but he was put to sleep on the side. And God is not going to change his mind, is he? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word tells us that. So we have this covenant, and part of this covenant gives us a list of different people groups and lands that form a, a mass, a geographical mass that became later known as the land of Canaan. And I want to talk a little bit about that because that's, that's, that's part of setting the stage. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, to your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenite, the Kenazite, the Kadmonite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Rephaim, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Girgashite, and the Jebusite, and the Flybynite, all the people here... I added the last one. Yeah. yeah. It was not in the text. Uh, just to see if you're listening. These are all the people group that formed this mass that is known as really greater Israel. That's the black line you see on your screen is the Israel 
If you believe the word, that will be fulfilled one day in the millennial kingdom. Amen? This is nowhere near what we have today. What we have today is a lot smaller. See this? Very small. It's about the size of New Jersey. Greater Israel is about the size of twice Texas. I thought I used the word Texas once in my message because Dr. Reagan is here. So at least once in my message to make him happy. So we have this, and the, the picture you see here is a picture of Theodore Herzl, the founding father of Zionism, who said the area of the Jewish state stretches from the brook of Egypt to the Euphrates. So he understood that it was bigger than what he was hoping for and what we have today. Give or take Gaza, the, uh, the, the Golan Heights, and the, and the West Bank, you take some, you give some. It's going to be a lot bigger. So I have here a picture of Israel on the screen that is actually... Uh, I'm even cheating according to modern standards because I'm including a lot of stuff that is supposed to be in the occupied territories. I don't like that word. I'd rather say the disputed territories, not occupied, okay? Uh, because they are occupied by the rightful owners, really. So now this is interesting. We go from smaller to greater here, from smaller Israel to greater boundaries in the millennial kingdom in the future. But the world would like you to believe that we actually went from greater to smaller. This is the Palestinian narrative. Ancient Israel, today, now today's secular worldview, often opposite from the biblical record. And if you listen to those who are proponents of the Palestinian narrative or worldview, they'll tell you that in 1946, uh, this was, uh, do I have, uh, can't see, a, well, it's too far. It's too, it's, that doesn't work. Okay, let's close with a word of prayer. I don't have a pointer. Okay, so I'm showing you basically on the left, we have 1946, this was Palestine according to uh, the Palestinian narrative. And then 47, 48, 49, 67, 2016, uh, 2008, on and on and on. Israel, the Jews are colonizing, taking the land. And what the world wants you to believe, not everybody, but a lot of the media, a lot of the uh, pro-Palestinian agenda and narrative wants you to believe that it's actually a reduction of what was known as Palestine. So I want to talk about, oh, you have a backup. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. Let me. Yeah, but it's, it's okay. It's okay. This one's not working. It's okay. I love you anyway. Don't you know I looked at it? What? Don't look at it. That's, that's okay. That's okay. But it's, it's okay. All right. I will point with my finger. Okay. So, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, I, I like to establish a definition. And it's important to establish definition and, and the meaning of those words because they also can be used in dialogue with those who are enemies of Israel and even within the church. You have, not in this church, but you have people within Christianity that are not going to be happy about what they're hearing here tonight. If they watch on the internet, maybe they're not going to like it. Or people that are going to go against this, uh, this, this view, which I think is the biblical view of Israel. So that's what we've been sharing for the last few days. So you need to have a proper understanding of the words and the definition, what they mean or what they meant and how the word changed. The first word I want to look at is the word, you know, Canaan. Uh, Canaan was the grandson of Noah, uh, son of Ham. Uh, the land became known as the land of Canaan, but it was the land of all those people groups that, were, that I just described to you. And then it, 
the one name got picked up, it was the land of Canaan. So it became known as the land of Canaan. Now the Canaanites, uh, descendants of Ham, ended up being slaves of Israel, the descendants of Shem, Shemites, the Semites. Uh, and uh, Genesis 9.25, so he said, Cursed be Canaan, the servant of servants, ye shall be to his brothers. The Canaanites, the, the, the Israel did not like the Canaanites. I think it's because the, the Israel didn't like the Canaanites because they were the descendants of Ham, and Jewish people don't like Ham. That's, that's my theory. It's not really based on anything biblical, okay? But said the kosher laws, maybe. But anyway, uh, the real reason why is the Canaanites' immorality was great. And back then and today, God has no room for immorality. Amen? So the Canaanites' immorality was their downfall. Many believe, and it's... it's uh, it's disputed, and your scholars have different views, but one, of the, one view that I like, um, that I, I, that's the one I, I choose to, to, to believe, again, it's not critical to our message tonight, but it's just one more point, is that the history of the Canaanite, their history came to an end after the Roman battle of Carthage in 146 BC. No more Canaanites after that. Some people say that today there are some other groups that are descendants of the Canaanites. It's really hard to prove. But... Canaan, the land of Canaan, is mentioned in the Bible quite a few times, 165 times in the book of Genesis, in the, in the Old Testament. I, like, I love the one in, in Leviticus 25, 38. Let me tell you why. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. So God is telling Israel, I give you the land of Canaan. The boundaries I gave you, they might not be realized, fulfilled today in your lifetime, but one day they will be yours. But the way he's presenting it, and he does this many times in the Bible with Israel. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt is God's credentials. It's his resume. He's telling Israel, if you don't believe what I'm promising you right now, look back at everything you have done when you were in Egypt, out of Egypt, in the wilderness, into the promised land. All the miracles, one after the other. This is God's way of saying, I'm going to keep my word. Think about everything you have done. Why should I not do something I tell you I'm going to do? So I like that verse more than the others. But uh, Genesis um, also has that uh, mention of land of Canaan 165 times in the Tanakh in the Old Testament. A few times in the New Testament as well in the book of Acts. Um, Paul is uh, preaching in a synagogue and he's talking about, about the land of Canaan. And, uh, you know, when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, we're talking about, you know, the people that we just discussed, when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land as an inheritance, all of which took about 450 years. Land was distributed to Israel. The question we need to ask ourselves is when the land was given to Israel, was it historical or normative? Let me explain. Was it a one-time deal that God was going to give the land to Israel to let them expand? Or was he going to let them expand? Was it just a concept that, hey, expand until you have enough? Now that's what radical Islam is trying to do. Global caliphate under Sharia law, under Quranic law. It's like the entire globe under Islam. That's what a radical Islam is trying to do. They're trying to make this the normative way. But in, in the Bible, as far as Israel is concerned, it was an historical time where God said, I'm going to give you that much. But he went further 
In Deuteronomy, he told Israel, don't take another inch. Look at this. Deuteronomy 2, 3, and 5. You have circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north and command the people, saying, you will pass through the territory of your brothers, the sons of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. So be very careful. Do not provoke them. Listen to this. For I will not give you any of their land, even as, a, as little as a footstep, because I have given it. I've given it Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. He continues with another people group. When you come opposite the sons of Ammon, do not harass them nor provoke them, for I will not give you any of the land of the sons of Ammon as a possession. God is telling Israel, I promise you I give you the land of Canaan, but don't try to get anything else because it's not for you. There's a big difference here. You see the difference between the global caliphate and Israel's biblical boundaries. They're bigger than what we have today, but not an inch bigger than what God promised. Amen? So now the land of Israel is another term. It's 32 times in the Bible, 20 times in Ezekiel. So pay attention to Ezekiel. That's what he's, God is saying. Uh, in, in, a, lot of, uh, a lot of places you know, in Ezekiel 11, 17, therefore say, Thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries among which you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. The land of Israel. And you will know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, into the land which I swore to give to your forefathers, going back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, the word Israel... We're working our way towards the word Palestine. I just want to let you know. because so we're going to talk about that too. We have to. So Israel in the New Testament, 78 times, 13 books. Matthew 2.20, it refers to the land. Go into the land of Israel. Sometimes it refers to the people, the Jewish people, the sons of Israel, like in Luke 1.16. But one thing that you all know, but I will refresh your memory in case you forgot, it never, ever refers to the church. That's replacement theology. If you remember one verse in the Bible to help you dialogue with somebody who says, you know, the church has replaced Israel now and the church gets all the blessings of Israel, eh, they can keep the curses, by the way. That's what usually happens. You know, Israel can take, keep the curses of the Old Testament, but we'll take the blessings and they're now passed on to the church. If that's true, God is a covenant breaker because it's an eternal covenant and he's a liar. And if that's true, Maybe he'll change his mind on how you're saved. Maybe you could lose your salvation. Maybe you're not even saved because God is like, yeah, I didn't mean it that way. It's, you know, I changed my mind. It's not true, though. God never changes his mind. It never refers to the church. 1 Corinthians 10.32, in the context of, of abstaining from certain foods, it's, it's in the chapter talking about food, but what's interesting here is it lists three groups of people. Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Wait a minute. If the church has replaced the Jews, why do we need to list three people here? It's just one little verse to kind of maybe plant a little seed of doubt in your friend who is a, a proponent of replacement theology. So now, we're still talking about ancient Israel, the foundation. We cannot talk about ancient Israel without talking about Palestine. It's a good thing because Palestine is mentioned so many times in the Bible. This is how many times it's mentioned. Zero, okay, except for the in the map section. Yeah. There you go, but that we're not going to go there because that's not um, it's not inspired. But we need to look at something. I, I want to set the record straight here because uh, you know 
in a lot of churches, people say, Pal- I don't want to use the word Palestine. Palestine is a cuss word. You know, it's Israel, Israel, Israel. No Palestine. Well, let's not go so fast. Let's take a look at a couple of things. First of all, let's go back in history. I personally, now don't walk out on me. I personally don't have a problem calling Israel, Palestine, from a period of time that goes from 147, 132 AD to 1947, 1948 AD. Between those two dates, I have no problem calling it Israel or Palestine. I will explain why and I will prove why it's okay to say that. Why those dates? The destruction of the temple uh, in Jerusalem took place in 70 AD. That's when the diaspora uh, started, the Jews going all over the world. Uh, and then in 132 AD, the Bar Kokhba revolt, which was a failed Jewish revolt against Rome. Uh, Bar Kokhba was a false messiah. And um, that, at that time, uh, the Romans wanted to humiliate the Jewish people. And that was the main reason why Jerusalem was renamed Ayla Capitolina and Israel was renamed Palestina, to humiliate further. It's kind of like uh, the Canadians coming to fight the Americans. Nothing against Canadians, okay? Just want to say that, okay? But, and then they, they want to humiliate the, 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 the American and then they, they take the land and they go, from now on, America will be called Lower Canada. Just to, you know, it's lower Canada. Well, that's the same idea. Let's humiliate the Jewish people further. Let's change the name. And somehow, it stuck. So the purpose, the reason was to, to, for humiliation further beyond the destruction that took that taken place. It is a bad reason, and it's, it, it is nothing good about it. But somehow, it stuck. And when it stuck, it was only describing a geographical area. That's what's important to remember. In 1947-48, it became a political agenda. It was politically loaded, the word Palestine, to this day where today it, it, we mix the boundaries and the political agenda, but really it was only a boundary and then a geographical boundaries, and then it became a political agenda that, of course, none of us would agree because it's not founded on history. It's not founded on the Bible. It's just invented from scratch for the sole purpose of pushing the Jews into the sea. And destroying all the Jews. Now, let me show you a couple of, of proofs of that. Palestine Post is not a Palestinian newspaper. It's today known as the Jerusalem Post. But in 1948, State of Israel is born. Bottom right of your screen is a picture of Ben-Gurion. Uh, that's the Palestine Post that became later on known as the Jerusalem Post, a Jewish newspaper. A couple of post stamps from Israel. 19, oh, uh, 1932 on the right side is a stamp that says Tel Aviv, Palestine. Well, last time I checked, Tel Aviv was not in Palestine. Well, it's because Palestine meant Israel. Israel meant Palestine. Nobody cared. Geographical boundaries. Next one is my favorite. I, I stumbled upon this a few years ago, and I ended up actually acquiring a copy of that dictionary. And I was very excited when I got it. It's a French dictionary from 1939. Okay? And uh, they, they, they publish one every year since like the late 1800s. And I have a copy of it in my office. It's a, a French dictionary um, uh, from 1939. And 1939, Second World War, Nazi Germany. Look on the left page. Look at the second flag, third flag from the left on top on the left page. The red German flag with a white circle and swastika. That is the Nazi flag because we're in 1939. So that dictionary is reflecting history. Look at the Palestinian flag. Wait a minute. That's not the Palestinian flag. What's going on here? Well, yes, it is. 
Palestine in 1939 is Israel. So you have a blue and white, same colors as the, as the flag today, with a Star of David in the middle of that flag. It's very Jewish because nobody saw it any other way. Now, so you've got the, the Jewish flag here, the Palestine flag. If you look at the flag today, it's not even a, uh, it didn't even evolve from that flag because Palestine flag today is this. I don't find any similarity, you know. I wonder, maybe, maybe it looks maybe a little like the flag of Jordan. I don't know, just a guess. Just a guess, okay? But this is not looking like that Jewish flag. But this, you know, Palestine was Israel. Israel was Palestine. That same dictionary under the entry Israel, name given. I mean, I, I clipped the, uh, the, the words in French, but not all of you speak French, just a few I know. So I, I gave a translation. Name given to Jacob after he wrestled with the angel. By extension, the name given to the Jewish people, descendants of Israel. And look under it. Israel, kingdom of Israel, see Palestine. Nobody asked a question, you know. One more. Modern Israel, uh, you know, it's under, we, we've shifted now from ancient Israel to modern Israel. I, I should have told you that, but you saw the, the, the title. Palestine films present Israel Reborn. We know this is not a recent film. Because it would be more like Palestine film presents the Nakba. You know, the catastrophe. That's what they call it when Israel was reborn. Okay, so this is... It's, nobody cared. It was Israel. So it was to humiliate the Jewish people, but it really only spoke of a geographical area. So from 132 to 1947, you can say Palestine, it doesn't matter, as long as you explain to people what you mean. And, and sometimes, you know what? It's good to do that because you, when, when Christian says, I will not even have the word Palestine come out of my mouth, we sound a little dogmatic and a little, you know, blinded by, you know, like we, we just don't want to, you know, don't confuse me with any possible facts. I don't want to say the word Palestine. You can say the word Palestine as long as it describes boundaries before 1947. Okay? So, and, and this might open some doors because people see like, hey, you know, this person is not as stubborn right-wing Christian as I thought they were. You know, that's what they think we are. But even a... Um, uh, in 1977, a member of the Palestine Liberation Organization. Now, now, 1977, Palestine, political agenda, people pushed out of a country, the Palestinians. Now we're not talking about the same Palestine anymore. But in 1977, the, this member of the PLO uh, was interviewed in a Dutch newspaper, not in uh, Al Jazeera or you know, some of his friends, in a Dutch Western civilization newspaper and he and i quote him the palestinian people does not exist the creation of a palestinian state is only a means for continuing our struggle against the state of israel for our arab unity in reality today there is no difference between jordanians palestinians syrians and lebanese i say amen to that i first it's the only time i've agreed with a, a member of the plo so uh now i want to look i want to show you some bookends uh, in in modern israel it's pretty cool. Uh, here is a bookend. We're going back to 1948. Yeah, this is a picture of uh, uh, President Truman, uh, Israel's first president, Chaim Weizmann on the right, uh, presents President Truman with a Torah scroll. And uh, that's, you know, around the time of the, the birth of the modern state of Israel, the rebirth, I should say, November 47. November 47 was the United Nations vote in favor of the partitioning of British Palestine. 
And in May 1448, of course, 1948, Ben-Gurion declares the independence of the modern state of Eretz Israel. Shortly after that, President Truman recognized Israel, the first U.S. president to recognize Israel. Okay? Now, uh, he, he is, I give you some quotes here. I'll leave them in the note for you to have. I, I want to keep moving here, uh, but uh, I like the last one. I am proud of my part in the creation of this new state. Our government was the first to recognize the state of Israel. So uh, this was an important moment. Seven years later, so November of 47, at the United Nations, the partitioning of British Palestine, uh, and you know, right before the rebirth of modern Israel, seven years later, this man, Vice President Mike Pence, said this, and I want you to pay attention to the words, because those are verbatim the words, I got them from you know, the transcript of, his, of, of the video, uh, and it's, it's on YouTube, and uh, it, it said, every word is weighed carefully, and it, it, the sentence is very well crafted to say everything in a short sentence. Listen, the UN declared, he said seven years ago in this very room, the UN declared that the, to the modern world an ancient truth that the Jewish people have a natural, irrevocable right to an independent state in their ancestral and eternal homeland. Amen. Can you add any more words to that? Maybe amen, amen. right? It's incredible. That's, those are the two bouquins. And of course, you know, so this was like November of, of, 19, uh, of 2017, seven years later. And of course, just a few days ago, here's a happy guy. Look at that. I mean, I don't know if you watch uh, Benjamin Netanyahu when they did the, inaugur the inauguration of, of, of the, um, the embassy in Jerusalem. He was beaming. He was, it was not just like political, you know, look on his face like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling. He was, he could barely contain himself. I was watching his body language. He was like, he was like a little kid. He just could not believe it. And, and of all he said, I, I liked the best what he said when he addressed, you know, President Trump. Uh, personally, even though he was not there uh, at the time, but other representatives were, it was, you know, his family and, and, and other people. He said, uh, Netanyahu said uh, just a few days ago, this is history by recognizing history. That's the important part. That's the, what's make, making this move incredible. By recognizing history, you have made history. And many countries, or I shouldn't say many, several countries are following suit. Guatemala, Honduras, I believe Estonia, or I could be wrong on that. It's an Eastern European country, I think at least one, and more are going to follow suit. The other side of that coin, and I found that out, I think, this morning, the United Nations is voting right now to render the move of the, Jerusalem, of the American embassy to Jerusalem null and void. They're saying the move by Trump has to be Voided. This is not good. We, we have to overturn this. 150 countries. How many countries do we have? 191 or 93, I forgot. 190 plus. 150 countries voted in favor of overturning the move and saying it's null and void. Now, it doesn't carry a lot of weight. It's not one of those big things where it's going to change everything. But you know what it does? It shows us what the world is thinking about Israel. 150 countries out of 190 or 91 are saying, we don't like this idea. It's a bad idea. Let's revert it. It's showing a trend. And we know that one day, the whole world, we shouldn't be surprised. 
You know, I was talking this morning with Dr. Reagan before service, and we're talking about all that's happening in Europe and anti-Semitism and, and, and all that's all lining up with prophecy, and then he showed us in the third service all those things that are happening, and we go like, this is terrible, this is crazy. We, shouldn't be, we should be upset. We should double our effort to share the gospel with as many as we can, but we shouldn't be surprised because if we believe the Bible, it's what the Bible tells us. Amen? So let's, let me talk a little bit more about modern Israel, and then we'll wrap it up tomorrow morning with, um, or maybe we'll be done before that, with, uh, ancient, uh, with uh, a future of Israel, which is the future is Israel. Really the, 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 best, the, the best is yet to come. It's, it's a true statement for Israel. But you do see God's hand over Israel throughout history. He's never let go. There's an incredible cartoon. I'm sure many of you have seen it. Uh, it's a cartoon of all the enemies, that the big leaders of, of the countries are like, the leader, back then it was uh, uh, Ahmadinejad, and so the, uh, Ahmadinejad, and, and, and several, uh, and the, the leader of, of Hamas, and, and like two or three anti-Semitic countries against Israel playing a, um, a, a tug-of-war with Israel. So you've got those four countries, really enemies of Israel, pulling on the rope, and then you've got Netanyahu pulling on the other side, and right beyond Netanyahu, there's a big hand coming from the sky with a finger holding the rope. <laughs> and I, I probably should have it in my, you know, in my presentation. I know. Well, guess what? I'm going back to my hotel tonight. I'm changing it again. <laughs> it keeps changing. But that's, that's exactly what it is. Jeremiah 35, 31, 35 through 37 God promises that if you can count the stars and the moon and, and, and the, the foundation of the earth, and, and then God will forsake Israel. But that's impossible to do. That's God's tongue-in-cheek way of saying, no way, Jose. And by the way, at the end of that verse, he says, for all that they have done to me. At the end of verse 37, I will forsake Israel for all that they have done to me. In other words, I know they're being disobedient. I know they haven't followed my command. I know they've been walking the other way and they've been uh, 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 doing all the wrong things for as long as I can remember. But I've made a promise to Abraham, unconditional, eternal promise that I will never forsake Israel. I'll give him a land and I will bless the world through Abraham and I will bless those who bless him and I will curse them who curse you. That's a promise that goes back that will never go away. So that's important. So we'll see some of that promise now in what's happening in modern Israel. So going back to modern Hebrew, just briefly, uh, Eliezer ben Yehuda is a, a lexicographer that um, uh, came back to Israel and single-handedly, by God's grace really, but single-handedly uh, basically put together the, uh, the, the modern Hebrew language as we know, the dictionary, and, and kept adding new words, of course, because until then, it was only used for liturgy and prayers that we do in synagogue. It was like dead language. Try to revive Latin, unless by God's grace you can't do it. It's a dead language. That's what happened here. By the way, this picture of, of Ben Yehuda, uh, he studies like I do. He has books all over the room. That's, I like to study that way. But the problem is that sometimes I lose the books under the other books, but I, I like books. So it's kind of fun to study that way. So it's a miracle of survival and revival. The revival of the Hebrew language amidst the revival of the, of, of the whole country of Israel. How about a miracle of survival and innovation? These are some, just a few of the inventions that came out of uh, Jewish ingenuity or Israeli inventions altogether. Uh, drip irrigation, it's big here in California, I heard, what comes from Israel. 
uh, Intel uh, 8088 first PC computer, the USB thumb drive, Amazon Kindle, the mobile phone technology, all those things are from some level Israeli Jewish ingenuity. Some all the way, some partially, but all of them have a Jewish involvement in there. And you know what bothers me? This is just a small number of the big ones, okay? You know what bothers me is the hypocrisy of the boycott, divestment, sanction movement. Because really, if they were sincere, and you, because boycott, is, there's nothing wrong with boycott. I have personal, personally have things that I boycott in my own life. It's between me and God. I, I don't go tell people, listen, I boycott this and that, uh, and you should do too. You know, that becomes legalism. People have to be, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit has to convict them. You know what? I'm not going to watch those kinds of movies anymore. I'm not talking about X-rated movies. I'm talking about our movies. They're, be, they're almost like X-rated movies now. So say you make that decision, or oh, I'm not going to watch a movie with that actor or that actress because I don't like what they stand for. That's becoming an issue for me. They become more and more vocal against, you know, conservatives or even against Israel, I'm going like, I'm just not going to watch their movies anymore. I don't care. I've got better things to do. That's just one example. But sometimes my wife and I don't agree on some things. You know, boycott is very personal. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you're going to boycott, be consistent. And the BDS movement is not consistent. Much of the technology of personal computers, cell phones, and social networks used by the proponents of the boycott divestment sanction movement would not be available if they were consistent. Then they wouldn't be able to communicate and it would be a blessed day for all of us. But they're, they're not being sincere. They want to boycott uh, you know, some restaurants or, or some artists to say, is they going to do a concert in Jerusalem? You should boycott that artist or, or some, you know, the Jaffa oranges or uh, Oslem cookies or the things that are easy to boycott. But don't take my iPhone away or don't take my thumb drive or my computer away. That's hypocrisy. I'm sorry. How about this? Modern Israel, a miracle of survival and brilliance. As of 2017, 892 Nobel Prizes have been awarded to individuals of whom 201, or 22.5%, were Jews. Although the total Jewish population comprises less than 0.2% of the world's population. This means that the percentage of Jewish Nobel laureates is at least, wait for it, wait for it, 11,250% above average. We are very smart people. Not me, but my people, many of my people are very smart. And yet, and yet, we see all this, all this contribution to the world. Still, we are painted as the new Nazis of the Middle East. We are painted, look at this cartoon. Never again is the motto of the Jewish people after the Holocaust. We see a Jewish victim uh, on the left side in the ship of a svastika uh, hanging on the barbed wire of a, of a concentration camp. And on the right side, this is from 2009, on the right side you see a, a, a Palestinian from Gaza over again, same svastika shape, and it's basically painting the picture of role reversal, victims become perpetrators and vice versa. This is what we continue to see today and this is why much of the world is buying today without checking the facts. And let's, let's face it, uh, Israel has been at war since 1948. I've listed the big ones, some you might not know by name exactly, but I added one yesterday. It's not really a war, but we can say that the Gaza border breach attempt is enough of a, of a disruption that it's, it, it, it makes the list. 
It makes the list. Not one Israeli casualty so far. If they had allowed them to go into Israel, it would have been a disaster. A lot more death. A lot more casualties. Not one Israeli casualty. And, uh, and so now the Zvastika on the cartoon saying that the Jews, you know, the Jews are uh, the new Nazis of the Middle East using the Zvastika, saying the Zvastika is a very bad, uh, a very bad a symbol. And, uh, but now the Jews are doing to the Palestinians what the Nazis did to them in the, four, in the 30s and 40s. But when the Zvastika is working to the advantage of the Palestinian, like a few days ago, when they were flying kites over the border with um, uh, bombs and, uh, and, and explosives, and uh, NPR interviewed a Gaza terrorist. Uh, from this, we learn one thing. Don't listen to NPR. But you already knew that. But NPR interviewed a Gaza terrorist flying the kite, and he said, the Jews go crazy for Hitler. He didn't mean this in a positive way, okay? You know, they, they, they hate, you know, they, the Jews go crazy. This, those are his words, so they're not maybe the proper English. They go crazy for Hitler when they see it. This is actually what we want them to know, that we want to burn them. Referring to how six million Jews died in the Holocaust. Peace? This is not peace. You cannot have peace with people that want to kill you. I could go on and on and on, but I promised you this would be positive, and I'm, I'm like spiraling down the negative. So let's talk about, for the next few minutes, and we'll wrap up with that, the future of Israel. Because that's a promise. Future Israel, a restoration and glorious destiny. Because God is not finished with Israel, we can expect a glorious destiny for the Jewish state and the Jewish people with Jerusalem not only as the capital of Israel, but as the center of the world. Okay, a lot, a lot of talk about Jerusalem lately. Real world peace will be seen because of uh, the return of Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, which is another name for Yeshua the Messiah, Isaiah 9, 6, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. So, yes, we'll take the embassy in Jerusalem. It's a big, it's a big move. It's a, it's a happy moment. I mean, I wish I could have been there. Look at this. Here are some happy people in front of the embassy. Uh, again, uh, Netanyahu and his wife beaming, and then uh, um, Jared and uh, forgot her name, Ivanka. Ivanka Trump. Don't tell her, okay? Uh, so uh, this is important. It shows our support. Not not all America is supportive, by a long shot. Okay. So we have we we have a job to do. We have to be vocal about it. We don't want to be. We don't want to be obnoxious in a negative way, like in the, with the idea of, of the, Palest, the word Palestine. Don't say, you know, a blanket statement, Palestine will not come out of my mouth. Explain why it changed from geographical to, to political, and then you're okay with it, but not okay now. We, we want to try to find dialogue if we can. Uh, sometimes you can't. You just have to just walk away and pray for these people. Uh, but let's look at some verses for future Israel. Isaiah 2, 2 through 4. Now it will come about in the, in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his path. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Every time I read this, I want to sing it. Because there is a messianic song that has the exact same words, and I always want to start singing the song. And he, but I can't sing, so I won't do that. 
And he will judge between the nations and he will render decisions for many peoples and they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they learn war. Are we there yet? No. Are we going to be there one day? You better believe it. Because the God of Israel has promised that this was coming. Look at this. Ezekiel 39, 25 through 29. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel and will be jealous for my holy name. They will forget their disgrace and all their treachery which they perpetrated against me when they live securely on their own land with no one to make them afraid. When I bring them back from the peoples and gather them from the lands of their enemies, then I shall be sanctified through them in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord their God because I made them go into exile among the nations and, they gather, and then gather them again to their own land and I will leave none of them there any longer. I will not hide my face from them any longer, for I will have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the Lord God. Wow. One day, all Israel will return. And guess what? It says in scriptures in, in Ezekiel, they're going back in unbelief. It's going to happen one day. No, wait a minute. It's happening right now. We are living in the days where the Jews are going back to Israel in large numbers from countries of the world where they never thought of leaving before. One of them, France, where I'm from. In the last five years, there's been more Jews coming out of France to go to Israel than in the previous 30 years. And th those are numbers from the Israeli, uh, 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 I mean, th those are Israeli numbers. They're not inflated Christian numbers to, to, to help us with self-fulfilling prophecy. They're Israeli numbers, okay? It's really happening. The Jews are going back in unbelief in large numbers, large numbers from many different countries. We're living in very interesting times. I love this one. Zechariah 8, 20 through 23. I love this verse. Thus says the Lord of hosts, it will yet be that peoples will come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one will go to another saying, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I will also go. So many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord, the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, and to entreat the favor of the Lord. They're going to go look for God in Jerusalem. Okay? But look at this. Thus says the Lord of hosts. In those days, and those days are coming, ten men from all nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So the nations who want to know God are going to look for Jewish people saying, we want to go with you because you know God. This is a complete turn of events. This is not what we see right now. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But this is a promise that gives us two things. Number one, at some point in the future, Jewish people will have a personal relationship with their Messiah. It's promised here. Actually, we could expand that. I don't have time tonight. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's uh, Romans eleven twenty six. All Israel will be saved. But that's talking about the end of the tribulation, just to tell you that. I, I'm, I'm pre-trib, pre-millennial, pre-everything, okay? So clear. I don't even eat post-cereal. So, but at the end of the tribulation, it's going to happen. And so the Jews are going to believe in the Messiah. They're going to call upon him if they have peace. They are going to be in a personal relationship with the God of the universe. 
They're going to know God. And that also tells us that the nations, instead of going after the Jews, like they're going right now, and it's going to exponentially increase the hatred for the Jewish people. We see it every day now. They're going to turn around and going to say, okay, we want God, and we notice that you Jewish people seem to have God, so how can we just kind of, can we just go with you? Can it rub off you if we just go with you? Can we touch your garment? That's not the way it works, but... You know, you need to hear the message and accept the message of death and resurrection of Yeshua to be saved. But the Gentiles are going to go around and say, okay, we want God and we know that the Jews have God. So it's a turn of event. Jewish people are going to know God personally and Gentiles are going to say, okay, they got it. We want it. That's different from what we have today. So, but it's coming. You believe that? So again, here is the land boundaries. I want to I want to finish with this, reminding you that what we have right now, all those different uh, names, the land of Israel today is only this, but we have this to look forward to. And again, just for Dr. Reagan, this is New Jersey inside twice Texas. <laughs> so now, in conclusion. This is one of the rare times when I say in conclusion, I actually conclude right away. So you should be blessed. Past Israel, present Israel, future Israel. Past Israel, remember God's promises, and I fulfilled many promises in past Israel. I established Israel and maintained and, 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 and uh, provided and protected for Israel, uh, protected Israel and provided for the Jewish people. So remember that. Present Israel, we still need to reach out with the gospel. In future Israel, we will rejoice one day over a glory. So we can wait to rejoice with Israel in the future. We know it's coming. It's not yet, but we can wait and rejoice with Israel for what's coming in the future. We cannot change what took place in the past, and much of it is very good anyway. It's, it's behind us. It's history. It's, it happened. But we live in the present, and we are still right now in the present, and Israel needs the gospel more than ever. Okay, we need to support Israel. We need to support ministries that actually preach the gospel to Israel. And I want to challenge you, when you support ministries, ask them, do you actually preach the gospel to the Jewish people? See, it's the same gospel for everybody. You do not want to compromise the gospel. We take the, the same ingre ingredients of the gospel that you've heard your whole life, and we just cook the ingredients different. But it's the same gospel, same ingredients, different recipe. We don't add any ingredients. We don't take away any ingredients. It's simply through faith, by grace, death of Messiah for our sins, died and rose again. We accept his death for our sins as an atonement, and we become children of God. We are saved. That's, it's that simple. It's the same gospel. There's a way to present it to Jewish people. Connect with Jewish ministries. Support Jewish ministries that take the gospel for this time, for such a time as this, this is critical. We need, like Jerry said, and I'm just going to take one more minute. Jerry said this. It's very important. He said, there's two-thirds of the Jewish people that are going to be decimated, according to Zechariah 13, 9, 8 and 9. Two-thirds of the Jewish people are going to die at the end of the tribulation before one-third will call upon the one who they have pierced. Well, that's a lot of Jews. If it was today, there's 15 million Jews in the world, and there's only 10 million is two-thirds. So you're telling me that this was, if this was to happen today, 10 million Jews would die? Well, that's what it says, two-thirds. But guess what? God, when he wants to give us numbers, he gives us numbers. You know, the, the, the 12 tribes, the, 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 the 40 days in the wilderness, the 144,000. 
Oh, he's got numbers in the Bible. And right now I'm in Chronicles. Let me tell you, he's got numbers. And, you know, and he's got numbers everywhere. So here in that verse, he doesn't give us a number. He gives us a percentage. In other words, two-thirds of the Jewish people will be decimated before this takes place. But what if we were to share the gospel with as many Jews as we can before that time, and they would come to the Lord, then that two-third could become as little as three people left. Two-third, one-third. Not 10 million, 5 million. It's on us to be bold, to preach the gospel, to share. And, and remember, you don't always share right away with the Bible. Sometimes you just have to preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. In other words, let your life be a witness. Amen? So I need you to pray for us. I need you to help me reach my Jewish people with the gospel to give the message back to the original messengers. So please join our team in prayer. Support if you want. We have brochures on the back table. Uh, we, want, we want to stay connected with you. I, I will send you the notes from the clipboards, but we have brochures on the back table. Come visit. Let me close with a word of prayer. Thank you so much for having me tonight.